Grab your Bibles, we're in Ecclesiastes, we're back in our study of Ecclesiastes, um, the book of Ecclesiastes. And this week we're going to be looking at um, verses, um, from verses 7 of chapter 11, and we're going to be looking at that through to 12, verse 7. Um, I'm going to read, um, and then we are going to get cracking, crackling. Crackalackling. <laughs> Sometimes. All right. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verse 7. And as we do, um, would you please stand for the reading of God's word? Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 7. Verse 7 reads, Light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all, but let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all that for all these things God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away um, pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Chapter twelve, verse one. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the the evil days come. And the years draw near, of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are darkened and the clouds return after the rain in the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men are bent and the grinders cease because they are few and those who look through the windows are dimmed. And the doors on the street are shut when the sound of the grinding is low and one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of song are brought low. They are afraid also of what is high and terrors are in the way. The almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper drags itself along and desire fails because man is going to his eternal home and the mourners go about the streets before the silver cord is snapped or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern, and the dust returns to the earth as it was, and the spirit returns to God who gave it. Let's pray. God, may you give us understanding. May you help us know you, and may you increase our desire to live for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Several weeks ago, I celebrated my 39th birthday. I am 39 years old. And what that means is this is going to be the last year in my 30s. This coming school year is going to be my son's last year in elementary school. Next, he's going to be in middle school, 
hanging out with all the big boys and girls. The other day, I was combing my hair, trying to look fresh, and I discovered a strand of gray hair. I was like, wow. First of all, I thought it was a piece of fluff, but then it wouldn't move. And then I was like, oh my goodness, I have gray hair. This week, last Tuesday, Tuesday that was, Eleanor and I celebrated 14 years of marriage. Just so you know, we were married on March 8th, 2008. Not March 8th, 2018. If you were here last week, you would know what I'm talking about. Also, the other day, my wife found a shoebox in our garage. Inside the shoebox were several things my grandmother left me before she passed away. Um, some of those things were um, books on Christianity. <laughs> there was a book about um, Queen Elizabeth II. And also within this shoebox was um, my grades from elementary school. I was really rubbish at math. <laughs> yeah, I got okay grades in English and science. I was very good at French. Bonjour. And interestingly enough, I got 100% in religion. Yesterday, I went for a walk in my neighborhood. On my way back, I decided to stop and say hello to one of our neighbors. His name is Jerry, and he is 80 years old. What Jerry does most days at around 4 p.m. is sit um, in his garage um, and just sit. <laughs> the first time I saw him, he was, he, had, he was sitting on his chair, and he had his head down, and he was kind of, I think he was sleeping, but I thought he had passed away. Um, <laughs> honestly, I was just like, is, this, is he okay? <laughs> um, but no, he sits out there all the time, and I haven't really had a conversation with him, so yesterday I decided to talk to him, and um, I got to know him a little bit more. He's from South Africa. Um, his wife passed away a year ago. Um, she fell down some stairs and passed away. He's got, they've got three kids, three sons, and he absolutely loves golf. And so I got talking to him about golf. And as I was studying this passage, I thought I would ask him the following question. And that was, all right, how long have you been playing golf? He was like, I've been playing golf since I was 20. All right, so that's a lot of years. And I asked him, man, like in your 20s and 30s, he's still playing golf a lot still now. And I said, in your 20s and 30s, what was it like? playing golf. What's the difference now um, between playing golf now and then? And he says this, I cry every time I think about it. And he began to explain to me, and if you guys are golfers, if you play golf, you would understand that when he was playing um, in his 20s, 30s, he was handicapped nine, right? That's pretty good. And now he's handicapped 29, okay? 
big difference there. And he, you know, he continued to tell me how it's so hard. His mind is sharp still, and he's got a lot of experience in golf. But because his body is beginning to, you know, deteriorate because of his age, um, he just aches. And he wished he was young again. All of these experiences and all of these situations I found myself in in the past few weeks have got me thinking a lot about life in recent times, especially about the different stages of life. Our passage for this morning is going to do the same thing. It's going to cause us to think about life, specifically youth and old age. The spring of life and the autumn of life. And what's going to happen is as we consider these two stages of life, we'll be reminded of several things, all right? We'll be reminded of first the joys and sorrows of a long life, second, the benefits and boundaries of youth, and third, the need to remember your creator. All right, our church, um, it's awesome in so many ways, um, but what happens is whenever someone visits our church, one of the things they always say is, you guys have a lot of young people. Um, We've been praying um, about having more older people, and we're thankful for the recent additions. <laughs> Not going to say any names or look in any direction. <laughs> thankful for the recent additions. God is at work, and he is bringing about diversity in our church. But this week, we're going to consider both the springtime of life and the autumn of life, old age and youth. And so first... As we consider youth and old age, we're reminded of the joys and sorrows of a long long life. Look at verse 7 again. It says, light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. The preacher begins this section with an obvious truth. He describes light as being sweet. And then what he does next is that he proves this truth by pointing to how exposure to the sun brings us pleasure. Okay, one of, the mo- one of the perks of living in San Diego is knowing that on most days we'll wake up to blue skies and sunshine, all right? This is what makes San Diego awesome. We have awesome weather. This is the reason many people move to the city. This is the reason San Diego, if you've been in tune with the news, has become the most expensive city to live in. And if you talk to the newcomers, one of the things they always say, is that we love the weather. No matter who you are, the warmth of the sun makes you feel good. It really does. So my wife and I and my family and I have done a bunch of training in order to get to pastoral ministry. And in 2016, Um, We moved to Chicago for me to do a six-month training there. Um, And we moved there in the fall, and obviously we experienced the ridiculously cold. It's not even cold. It's 
deathly um, winter of Chicago. It's, in, it's tough, all right? If you're from the Midwest, from Chicago, I'm sorry. I remember being there and so many people were telling me, you're from England, you should be fine. And I was like, it's not this cold in England. It's just not at all. And so six months was done and we couldn't wait to get out of there. Our next stop was Arizona. And so I remember we drove from Chicago to Phoenix, Arizona in December. And I remember us um, um, entering into kind of Arizona and seeing blue skies. It was the best experience ever. <laughs> it was like, oh my gosh, blue skies, the sun. I am thankful to be here. Summer comes. <laughs> you know. The warmth of the sun is something that makes us feel good. But the primary reason the preacher begins this section talking about our appreciation of the sun is to use it as a metaphor for the joys in life. And so when the preacher says light is sweet and it is pleasant for the eyes to see the sun, Derek Kidner, who's an author and scholar, says the preacher is referring to the bliss of being alive. Sometimes being alive and enjoying the pleasures and joys of life is like the feeling of the sun on a beautiful summer's day. Like the sweetness of the sun to the eyes, the preacher is helping us see that there are many sweet things in life that gives us pleasure. Like the colors of fall, or the, or, or the beauty of spring, or the steady crashing of waves on a shoreline, or the scent of a home-cooked meal, or the bitter-sweet taste of herbs, or the warm comfort of a hug. Whatever you enjoy, think about it. Like the sweetness of the sun to the eyes, there are many sweet things in life that gives us pleasure. And because of this, what the preacher does next is that he commands us to rejoice in them all. Look at the first part of verse 8. It says, so if a person lives many years, what is he telling you? He's like, let him enjoy them all. Let him enjoy them all. The longer someone lives, the more opportunities they have to experience and rejoice in these good things. And so, what is this telling us all? Let us right now, in our lives, make an intentional effort to enjoy life. To enjoy the good things of life. There is a lot going on in our personal lives, in our city, in our nation, and in our world. And what that does is it can distract us from the beauty of the simple things in life. And so one of the rhythms my family and I have tried to implement is that when we sit around the table with our kids, we ask them the question, this following question, and it's, what are you thankful for? What are some of the things you're thankful for today? 
And I want to ask you guys the same question, and I want you to write it down and make an effort each and every day to intentionally converse about what you're thankful for. Because God has given us so much to be thankful for. And he has given us all of these good gifts for us to enjoy. God filled the world with maple syrup, the Grand Canyon, barbecue ribs. They may have been vegetarian before the fall or not. Anyway, tropical rainforest and all other pleasures and delights for your joy and satisfaction. And so however many years you may live, Rejoice in the things that you enjoy. And so, although the preacher commands us to rejoice in the pleasures of life, he also reminds us of something we don't really like to talk about or even think about. Look at verse 8 again. It says, so if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. Here it is. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is what? Vanity. <laughs> However many years you live, okay, you will experience many seasons of joy. But the opposite is also true. However many years you live, you will also experience much sorrow. The dark, the days of darkness will be many. Life has many sweet things for us to enjoy, but life also has many Bitter pills for us to swallow. Bitter sweet is the life we live. There will be good days and bad days over the course of life. Sunny days will be interrupted by storms. Although we enjoy the beauty of God's creation, we still have to endure the heartaches of this broken world. So, what season are you in? In a room of this size, it's very likely that there are people in really sweet seasons of life. And there are people enduring sorrows and heartaches of life. And so what season are you in? If you're in a season of joy, I would say rejoice. Okay, don't feel bad about it. Rejoice, enjoy the good gifts God has given you. But if you're in a season of sorrow, I know I am limited in what I can say or anyone can. Anyone can say to, to, to revive you, but all I can say and trust is that God is at work, all right? He is. And he is actively at work to bring about goodness in the situation you're in, 
which will eventually glorify him. I don't know when and how that will happen. But what we know is that God is at work. I love Psalm 23. You read Psalm 23, it talks about, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will not fear because you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And then it ends by, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord. Like, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Do you know what that means? You cannot escape God's goodness and mercy. It will follow you whether you like it or not. It's incredible. So be encouraged. We've seen the joys and the sorrows of a long life. Second, as we consider youth and old age, we'll be reminded of the benefits and boundaries of youth. Benefits and boundaries. If you look at verse 9 and 10, it says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment, remove vexation from your heart, and pull away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity. Earlier, the preacher commanded, kind of older people, to rejoice in the pleasures of life. Here he turns his attention to young people and commands them to rejoice in what? To rejoice in what? Their youth. Thank you. It's making sure you're tracking with me. If you're young, what's happening here? It's that you are being commanded to rejoice in your youth and walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. In other words, enjoy every minute of your young life. Okay? There are many benefits to being young. Many benefits to being young. I met with two um, of our lads from church on Wednesday, and I asked them the question. They were young lads, okay, young lads. And I asked them the question, and I said, hey, guys, what are the benefits of being young? And they paused and paused and didn't say anything for a while. And I was like, what is wrong with you? What are the benefits of being young? And then they started speaking and giving me some info on what are the benefits of young. But being young has so many benefits. You have the freedom to explore, the capacity to take risks, the ability to do many of the things you want to do whenever you want to do them. The younger you are, the less limits you have. The younger you are, the less responsibilities you have. I look at my children, I look at my son, and everything gets done for him basically, <laughs> right? Um, he gets driven around. Um, he, you know, he's been going to a bunch of birthday parties, and guess who organizes them for him? My, his personal assistant, my wife. He has a chef in the house. He has everything in the house. He, you know, the younger you are, the less responsibilities you have. The younger you are, the more energy you have. Um, youth is the time to plan, to try new things, to explore new opportunities, new adventures. Youth is the time to, to just seize opportunities and to follow desires. There are many benefits to being young. But there are also many dangers associated with being young. 
That's why after exhorting young people to rejoice in their youth, the preacher transitions to a caution. Okay? He's got a caution here. Look at um, verse 9 again. It says, Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eyes. Here we go. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Guy's killing the vibe. What's wrong with him? One moment he's like, go ahead, enjoy life, young people, take risks, explore. And then he's like, you are going to get judged for everything you do. Wow. This may sound discouraging. This may sound like he's killing the vibe. But the preacher, I think, is like a parent. That says, you know, I'm a parent. I want my kids to go out and enjoy and explore. But as a a parent, I care for them enough to say, okay, you want to do this, but make sure you are taking these precautions. Okay? And this is what's kind of happening at the moment. Um, 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 The preacher is cheering young people on to go and have fun and rejoice and enjoy life. But like a loving parent, he cares enough to offer boundaries that will provide protection and help them enjoy those things fully. All right, Philip Riken says this, the preacher does not say this to suck all the joy out of life or to give us the impression that God is out to get us, but to remind us that we live before God and are called to rejoice in him. And so what he wants to remind young people and us all is that judgment awaits the pursuit of unwise and destructive pleasures. In other words, he's encouraging us to enjoy the pleasures of life, but to remain within the boundaries of God's will. In other words, you can drink and enjoy alcohol, but don't get drunk. You can eat, but don't overeat. You can date, but you need to maintain purity. You can work hard, but you've got to be generous. You can enjoy the good gifts God has given you, but you must make sure you do so within the boundaries of God's will. And this is what this whole idea of judgment is causing us to remember. Judgment, the idea that God will judge all of our actions helps us keep God in mind and helps us maintain a life that is within the boundary of God's will. So the question is, how are you living? How are you living? In what areas of your life are you outside God's will? In what areas of your life are you knowingly and intentionally living outside of God's will? God wants you to enjoy the good gifts he's given you, but he wants you to do so within the boundaries of his will. 
And so how are you living, man? If you know that you are involved in something and participating in something that is outside of God's will, I hope and pray that today is the day where you repent. Repentance is, I'm going in this direction, and by God's grace, he's helped me see that it's not the way I should go. And repentance is not just turning and stopping, but turning to God, realizing that, man, he absolutely loves you. And to live in harmony with his ways and his will is the way for you to enjoy life to the fullest. What do you need to change in your life to make sure that how you're living is within the boundaries of God's will? And so we've seen the joys and sorrows of a long life, the benefits and boundaries of youth. Lastly, as we consider youth and old age, we'll be reminded of the need to remember your creator. The need to remember your creator. Look at verse 1 of chapter 12. It says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth before the evil days come and the years draw near of which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. This is the final instruction the preacher gives in this section. It's mainly for young people, but it's definitely something older people can understand better. In commanding us to remember our Creator, the preacher is calling us to live a God-centered life. To live a life where God is our first and highest priority to remember God is to live our whole lives uh, around who God is and what he's done for us in Christ. It is to be mindful of God in every situation and every circumstance. Remembering God means including him in all of your plans, praising him for all of his blessings, and praying to him through all of our troubles. Remembering God, our creator, is to make God our first and highest priority. And so the question is, are you remembering God? Is he the most valuable person to you? Is he your first and highest priority in life? Or is something or someone else, or has something or someone else dethroned God in your life? Remembering God, our creator, is to make him our first and highest priority. And the best time in life to do this is 
when you're still alive. <laughs> right? You thought I was going to say when you're young, right? When you're still alive. The days of your youth here, I think, is really talking about the days of your life before you die. This is why. Verses 2 to 7 is a poem. Okay, and we read it. And as we read it earlier, some of you are like, what is happening? There's grasshoppers, there's sun, there's moon. What is happening? It's a poem that one author says is a, is a generalized and figurative description of old age in its physical manifestation. In essence, the poem calls young people, I think youth, those who are alive, to remember God their creator before, not just when old age begins to set in, but before you die. Okay, this is why. Verse 2 compares the troubles of old age to a gathering storm. The preacher is urging us to remember God before the troubles of old age darken our lives. Verses 3 and 4, bunch of stuff about houses and all of that. But basically what it's doing is that it's comparing an elderly person to a house that is slowly crumbling with decay. Okay? And so the keepers of the house, all right, what is that? It's a person's arms which starts to tremble. The strong men our legs which are bent with age. The grinders are teeth. The windows are eyes that are dimmed by just a general loss of vision. The doors are ears that are deaf or hard hearing. And so it's just hard to handle a lot of noise. The daughters of song are vocal cords that no longer have strength to make good music. Okay? And so verses 3 and 4 is comparing an elderly person to a house that is slowly crumbling with decay. All make sense? All right? You can read it in your own time. Read commentaries. Go on Google. Search it. It's all there. Okay, verse 5, okay, according to verse 5, the older you get, the more fearful you become. Okay, verse 5, they are afraid also of what is high in terror. So that is, makes sense. Old people are crippled by fear of falling or being attacked along the road. All right, since almond trees are pale in the springtime, if you know almond trees, pale in the springtime, the phrase the almond tree blossom indicates that someone's hair has turned white with age. It started for me. Okay? That one strand is an indication that I'm heading in that direction. Okay? When you think about a grasshopper, right? Verse 5 has the grasshopper drags itself along. When you think about a grasshopper, you think about an insect that is able to jump and leap. But this description of the, of, um, of the grasshopper is one that is dragging itself. And what that means is that the grasshopper has, is a goner. It's lost its ability to do what it used to do. 
verses, the, the, the last part of verse 5 and 6, are basically memorable descriptions of death. All right? A man is going to his eternal home, and the mourners go about the streets. Before the silver cord is snapped, or the golden bowl is broken, or the pitcher is shattered at the fountain, or the wheel broken at the cistern. This is all memorable descriptions of death. Today we are young and strong. Blink, and tomorrow the mourners will carry your bodies out for burial. It happens quickly. The other day I was watching a documentary on Netflix about you know, time, um, explanation of time and how, what happens when we, why we get to a certain stage in life and you know, time begins to fly, you hear it all the time. Um, and it was fascinating. Can't remember a lot of the science that was said, to be honest, but it was fascinating. Um, it just was incredible, of course, the science behind your brain and life gets busy and everything like that, but it's true. Life does fly, especially when you get to a certain stage of life. The other day, I was getting some work done in my new favorite third place, Hermosa Surf Shop. It was a beautiful day. One of the owners was outside, um, design, you know, signage. He's like one of the artists and does like their signages by hand. Um, really cool and trendy. It was a lovely day in San Diego. Of course it was. And every time he would engage with passers-by, this is what he would say. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? His ongoing celebration of the beautiful weather <laughs> got me thinking about the song Beautiful Day by U2. Every time I heard, it's a beautiful day, he said it, I started going, it's a beautiful day, in my head, and it was just annoying me. I was like, stop. <laughs> I have this joke in my house. I always tell my wife, there's a song for everything. You know, someone says a phrase, and there's always a song. So this was one of them, and I'm like, it's a beautiful, and I, it just kept with me, and I'm singing YouTube, YouTube, no, YouTube, um, beautiful day, which is a great song. Interestingly enough, as I was studying for this sermon, okay, I came across a quote by Bono. Okay, Bono is obviously the lead singer for you two. And the quote are his thoughts on the book of Ecclesiastes and how it's his favorite book. This is what he says. He says, Ecclesiastes is one of my favorite books. It's a book about a character who wants to find out why he's alive why he was created, he tries knowledge, he tries wealth, he tries experience, he tries everything. So you hurry to the end of the book to find out why, and it says, remember your creator. In a way, it's such a letdown. Yet, it isn't. And it isn't a letdown 
because a life dedicated to knowing and living for God your creator before you grow old and die is the most important thing you can ever do. A life dedicated to knowing and living and ordering your life around who God is and what he's done for you is the most important thing you can ever do. And the only way to know God fully and live for him is by believing and trusting in his son, Jesus Christ. And the reason why Jesus Christ is to be remembered is because Jesus is actually your creator. He's not just your savior and redeemer, but he's actually your creator. You don't believe me? Colossians 1, 15, 16. Look at it. It says, the Son, it's Jesus Christ. It's the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. It's crazy to think that um, a Jewish rabbi who lived 2,000 years ago, right, was a carpenter, gained a following and started preaching about the kingdom of God and then went around saying that I am God. This is crazy. I was telling someone the other day, there are historical evidence for Jesus, the man Jesus. And to think that 2,000 years ago, God walked on this earth is incredible. It's true. It's not a fictional fantasy thing. It's actually true. Jesus was who he said he was. And that is why he needs to be remembered. And that is why you and I and everyone in this room needs to dedicate the entirety of their lives to living, loving, and serving Jesus. And so what is your life about? Why are you living? If you're a Christian, you should be all about Jesus. Your life should be ordered around the purposes of Jesus for your life. Don't waste your life. Live for Jesus while you can. Don't settle for mediocre and comfortable Christianity. Live radically for Jesus. And as you live radically for Jesus, go out and be crazy about telling people about Jesus. Life is short. It really is. And some of you are closer to the end of life than others. But that doesn't mean you can't make a significant impact for Christ now. I am sick and tired of just mediocre Christianity. 
just in and out. We're just kind of doing. No, we need to be a community and a people that is enamored and obsessed with Jesus. And the more obsessed we become with Jesus, the more we desire for other people to know him. And so let's remember. Let's remember our creator. Let's be reminded that there are joys and sorrows in life. Let's remember that there are benefits and boundaries of youth. But most importantly, may we remember that we have a need to remember our Creator. And so may you live radically for Him. May you dedicate your life to him and him alone because it's only when you trust God fully and are satisfied in him alone can you truly enjoy life and not fear the sorrows of life or the certainty of death. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Help us. Inspire us by your spirit. Inspire us by your spirit to grow in our love and appreciation for you. Jesus, be our treasure. Be our joy. Be our everything. In your name we pray. Amen.